So once you go to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, this is our overarching uh, text that we've been using in a series called Wisdom for Dummies. And, uh, but it's about a series out of Proverbs. And so we're going through Proverbs, hitting some themes that you see in Proverbs. And the purpose of Proverbs, as we stated, is that it's to acquire and then learn to apply God's word to all of your decisions and to all of your daily activities. All of them. But none of God's word, not even the Proverbs that the Holy Spirit inspired, not, not even the Proverbs or the word of God will work if you don't have Proverbs 1, 7. And let's just, all, how about we read it all out loud, okay? If you, some of you have memorized it by now and some of you know it by now. And uh, you can say it out loud or you can look up from the screens. But let's declare that word because the word's powerful, amen? Ready? Here we go, ready? The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So remember, it's to acquire and to apply God's word to the decisions I'm making right now and every day and to the activities that I have every day. And there appears about seven times an activity in the word of God that relates to something that about seven verses through there that I want to hit today. And I specifically want to go to this theme and it's in Proverbs 14, 23. Are, are you ready for this? All hard work brings a profit. All hard work brings a profit. But mere talk leads only to poverty. All hard work leads to profit. How many of you spend a great portion of your daily activity working? All right. Some of you don't think it's work, but when you're having to raise that child and change those dirty diapers, how many know you're really working? Some of you may not think you're working, but when you go into that lecture hall at that university campus and you're sitting in that biology class in high school or you're doing algebra in your middle school, how many know you're at work? You're working, you don't even know you're working. And God says, all of that work, there is a profit. But some of us think that the profit is the paycheck. Just the paycheck. I want you to know there is a value beyond the paycheck. In fact, if you're doing it for the paycheck, you're really missing the reason why you're working. So today, I want to talk about work, work, hard work. I want to talk about work today. Now, I can see some of you breaking out in hives. I can see it happening already. Because you probably relate to statistics that are very real, Gallup Poll and many others, that it's about, this, this is, this is about, about the average. Over 50% of people who are going to go to work tomorrow and some are working, working today, about 50% really don't care about their jobs. They just put in the time because i got to pay the bills. Wow, are you missing it? Wow, are we missing the power of something that God created work? On an average, this is on an average, 
only 30% of us, about th almost 30, almost, not, not quite, only 30% of us really like going to work. Your pastor's one of them. I love coming to this place. I do. I do. I do. I got to hammer out every week. You know, I you know, got to help lead a team and got to look all these other things. And I got great people around me to help me get it done. And they got to get a message. I mean, I mean, every week I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm writing a term paper. And then I got to give an oral report on it, which I'm going to do today. Every week. You're welcome. God bless you. I was... I was just here waiting for somebody to say something. <laughs> Thank you. God bless you. <laughs> but here's the deal. I mean, come on. Your parents got you work. You're going to go to work one day. You finally go through school. Go th now you get in high school. You're going to graduate. Some of you graduate. You go right into the marketplace. Some of you graduate. Then you go to get your bachelor's degree. You go right into the marketplace. And then some of you are going to go over 50% into something you absolutely dislike taking up a third of your life and you don't like it. Changing those diapers and you don't like it. He works and I got to stay here. No, you're working too. You're working hard. The greatest contribution you can give back to this culture is not your money. It's raising a kid that's godly. That's the greatest contribution you can ever get. I promise you. A kid that'll serve Jesus. You can keep your cash. I'll take a child that knows how to fear the Lord. Keep your cash. Mm -mm -mm. And no wonder, I mean, I mean, everybody knows the phrase. I mean, some people, so many people dislike working that they just, they just know that I just can't wait till TGIF. Thank goodness it's. See, all of you know that better than you do the scripture we read earlier. Now, I'm not trying to be deluded in any way. Please, don't. I'm not trying to be deluded. I'm, I'm not thinking that you got to go to work every day with this pin-up smile, act the joy of the Lord, and be phony about it. Listen, how many know work can be frustrating? Like, you can be honest. You can say yes. I'm not gonna, you're not going to be under conviction. Oh, I mean, no, you, you, work can be frustrating. Sometimes it's frustrating because you have too little work. So, some people have too much work and too little pay. Some of you are trying to satisfy an impossible supervisor or a boss. I, I get the frustration. Some of you are dealing with an unbearable coworker that just has it out for you. Some of you are, are overseeing people where you've got a, an employee that you can totally, lacks motivation, you can't get them motivated, and now it's a reflection on you and not them. So how, how many of you know Work does have an unsatisfying thing to it. it. It really does. But do you know, friends, I'm going to show you that work is more holy than you think. In fact, can I tell you, God intended work to be purposeful and even pleasing to your life. If you got it that I'm just paying for braces, you have totally missed work. If you're doing it so I can just, so I can just hit retirement and get my, 501, get, get my 401k done, you have totally missed it. If you're doing it because I just need to get the next pair of sneakers because i got to keep up, you have totally missed it. 
the power of God's work in your life. Because God didn't intend it to be boring or foreboding. God intended you to really recognize at whatever age stage you are, whether you're flipping burgers, whether you're building a house, whether you're sitting in a classroom resenting the teacher and despise them, it is work. And let me tell you why it's so important. And I pray that when we go through this Proverbs that you will look at your work in a totally different perspective as holy before God. Now, why would it be holy? Because you need to know who the maker of my work is. The reason I love my job the reason I've loved my jobs all through all my life, I remember when I started preaching, I didn't always preach like this. I wasn't always here. My goodness, when I started out preaching, I didn't, I didn't have anywhere to go. So I, I would, I'd do anything. I'd, I, I mean, I'd go preach anything. I'd do lock-ins and have to stay with a bunch of teenagers, you know, locked into a church and have service, and they'd spend the night in sleeping bags, and you had to sit there and spend night. Thank God they stopped doing those things. I'm telling you. <laughs> Phew-wee, man. Do you know how tough it is to sleep with one eye open and a can of shaving cream in the other hand? Do you know how hard that is? But I loved all those times. I remember I had to fill putty holes for a painter. That's all I did. And then preach on with fill putty holes just to make ends meet. But I did that putty holes with such joy. I loved it. Everything, I, just, I, I loved the work God gave me. I'm raising a family with a strong work ethic. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes the work ethic was about get ahead. Make sure you leave a legacy. Leave an in a resource for your family. Leave inheritance for your kids. But I'm telling you, if it's just for your inheritance, you have totally missed the power of work. Because he's the one that made it. You said, what? God made it. Before we hear about God, he's majesty, majestic, he's holy, he's awesome, he's pure, he's righteous, he's just. No, no, no. Let me tell you the first thing you see him doing in the word of God. Genesis 1-1. Even a beginner can get there. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, in the beginning, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What's the first thing you find God doing? He's working. He's working with his voice. He's seeing, he's speaking, he creates, speaks, and he's creating, bringing order. The Bible says it was formless out void, bringing order, putting things in direction, bringing productivity. He's putting light into darkness. He's putting vegetation into the dirt. He's putting fish in the ocean. He's putting trees and animals in the forest. He's, he's making the pastures for the sheep to graze on. He's speaking, and it's happening. He's working, working. So here's what I want to tell you something. God is a worker. We see songs of majesty, his holiness, his righteousness, but man, he's a worker. I praise God that he's a worker. And what was he doing when he's working? That whole time he's working and still working. You know what he's doing? Displaying his glory and his splendor, pointing to the greatness of who he is for, his, for humanity. Do you see that? So then God's creating, but then he introduces a brand new theme. Now watch, I want you to see this theme. God's a worker. Everybody say, God's a worker. God's worker. He introduces this new theme. Ready? Genesis 1.27. Let's go. He says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Would you read the next line with me? Male and female, he created them. Okay, can I just, young people, folks, I don't know why we're so intimidated. 
We're afraid we're going to be seen as haters. But can I just tell you the simplicity of it? In all of the gender re-identification, all this, can you just get to the simplicity that in the beginning God created and in his image he formed you, gave you a spirit, the ability to make decisions, the ability to process, the ability to have emotions, God created. And he created you male and female. DNA and all the plumbing, that's the way he created you. Okay? Now, I'm not picking on somebody. Look, look. And this is not something, I'm just simply trying to say that those of you that are struggling in here, there is so much out there where you don't understand the divine image of God. The reason why sex is so sacred is because God made it. That's why it's holy. Just like even races of people are holy. Because that's what he created. He made it that way. So he says you're a sacred object. And, and if you're in the struggle, you're never going to be pushed out from this church. We'll help you walk the journey to see your identity and your greatness in God and how he made you and a purpose, all right? We're going to help you. This is the place you belong, okay? This is where you belong. But you got to get this because there's, there's something I want to show you. Now watch this. He created him in his own image. So then God blessed them. He ble Everybody say blessed. And said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God says, take, take dominion, rule over it. Now watch this. In no other part of creation, no other part of creation, watch this, is formed in the image of God. Only humanity, male and female. Nothing else. So what does that mean? Now listen close to me. Nothing else was created in his image but humanity, male and female. What does that mean? That means there is stuff in you that reflects the stuff in him. If you are made his image, then there's stuff that is in you that is going to come out of you because you were made in his image. So what does that mean? Some of the stuff that's in him was he was a worker so you need to be working. You need to be producing something out of your life. And he was a blesser. So that means what I produce should be helping someone else produce the greatness of God inside of them. And if you're not helping someone else become that, you're not reflecting the stuff that is in God. And if you don't want to even, I'm not talking about working, punching a clock. I'm talking about the productivity of God ceases to function in you. You're not reflecting the stuff that he wants to reflect to show his glory to all of humanity of who he is. Oh my goodness. Because here's what the deal is. Work is a gift from God to you. It's a gift. You're going, no, it's not. Not where I'm working. Oh, yes, it is. It's a gift from God. Work is a gift from God. Now stay with me now. Stay with me. Say, it can't be not the hellhole I'm in. Just stay with me. It's a gift from God. Look at Genesis 2.15. Ready? The Lord God took man, took man, everybody say took man, and put him in the garden of Eden to work it, to work it, and take care of it. You were to take care of it, to steward it, to work it, to reproduce it. He places Adam in Eden to advance and expand what he has started. 
to show his glory, the splendor. That means, that means God cultivated, we got to cultivate. God produced, we produce. Why? Because the stuff that's in him is the stuff that's in us. And the stuff in us reflects the stuff that is in him. We're to increase. We let our creativity, all that stuff begins to flow. And we keep producing. And he put man in the garden. He put man in the garden to work it and to take care of it. Now, all the single girls, wave your hand in the air like you just don't care. Come on, all the single ladies, come on, wave your hand just for a moment. And wave it, wave it, wave it, wave it, wave it. All the single ladies, I have a revelation for you. Before God ever gave man a woman a wife, he gave man a job. So you better get a guy that's got a job before anything else. Well, I'm just going to take a year and find myself hitchhike across the country and Later on, buddy. <laughs> so why do people feel this, that they hate their job? What is it? I'm not, I'm not denying the existence of frustrations in work. I mean, I love what I do. I, I, listen, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish the highest office in the land, the presidency of the United States, but if I went to be the president of the United States, first, I'd be, I, I wouldn't be very good at it. And secondly, it would be a step down for me. Seriously, and it would be a step down for you, not because we're trying to diminish it. It would be like you wanting to be a pastor, and that's not your gift. Be what God called you to be. He put work. He put something in you. It would be a step down for you, and that's why we're sitting there wanting everybody's job, everybody's position. Why don't you quit trying to step down and just step up to what God has for you? Amen. So work is not a curse. So, so we've, we've got it in the culture, and your unbelieving friends feel this. Just hate this place. Can't wait to get out of here. Nothing but a hellhole. Let them talk that way. You as a believer, as an image bearer of God, are carrying something God created. Because work is not a curse. The struggles in work are. Let's clarify it. Work is not a curse. The struggles in your work, they are. Because here's what happened. God intended for it just to flow out of you. I'm just telling you. But sin is what has made our work a grind. And so what we do is we always focus on the grind and the struggles and the frustration. And I got to change these kids' diapers. I wish somebody else would do a job. I need to live my life. I got married too soon. Why am I doing this? And I just want to get out of this. No, 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 no. Listen closely. It is sin that made it a grind. Look at Genesis 3:17. After they disobeyed God and they ate from the tree of the fruit, uh, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It says, "Cursed is the ground because of you." I don't know why God put me here. He says, "Oh no, 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 no." The frustrations in work. Don't be blaming me. Is what God's saying. It's because of you. You made a, you made the decision to disobey me. I intend it to be pleasurable because look what he says. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. Now, listen closely. The curse was not that you have to work. <laughs> that is not the curse. The curse was, it was the difficulties in work are going to increase because of the choice of sin. Are you following me? Work is not the curse. Now listen, because the curse included difficulties in childbirth, right? All, all the moms here, you, you, I mean, 
there was pain in childbirth. But even when you have the pain in childbirth, look at the beauty of the child that God gave you. There's a beauty in it. So even though we have work where there's difficulties, there's a beauty that God wants to come out of it. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Sam? This is what God does. God take, listen, here's what God, God God's work took what was formless, God's work took what was void and in chaos, and God starts working and he brings order and he brings life and he brings productivity. He takes something that was formless and void in chaos and when he steps into the realm, things start finding order and productivity and creativity. Here's what God's telling you and me as believers. As redeemed, especially as redeemed image bearers by the blood of Jesus Christ, when you step into that place where you're flipping burgers, you don't bring more chaos, you bring order. You bring productivity. You don't come in griping about the supervisor. You bring more peace and you bring more unity. You don't sit there and start ripping to other students of how horrible that teacher is. You bring order. You bring productivity because that's what Jesus does. He steps in and his redeemed people step in. And instead of bringing trouble for your boss in your workplace, you ought to bring productivity. And people are saying, why is that person so much different on this assembly line than all those other people? And I'm going to tell you the reason why. The glory of the kingdom is coming out of you just like the glory came out of God when he was working. Can somebody give God some praise in this house? So can you follow me for a minute? This is the way work introduces to the culture, Jesus Christ and the culture, the way you treat that place you're working in. It's introducing him to Jesus. You're wanting to bring him for an altar call. I'm telling you, the altar call is happening right there when you're wiping down the tables at the restaurant. The altar call is happening while you're talking and you're getting ready to go back to school on how you talk about that teacher and how you view your work in that classroom, your classwork. All the amen stopped. What in the thunder happened? Did it? Did the anointing just lift off of me? But you know what? We're all, you know what? I get so tired with Christians. I'm tired of Christians asking for, we want revival. We want revival. We want revival. We want outpouring. We want revival. We want outpouring. We want revival. But over 50% of them hate their job. Why would God ever save your co-laborer and your fellow employee? Why would he send a revival into the marketplace if where you are in the marketplace, you can't stand? Why would he do that? We want revival in our school, but you're acting, you're, acting, you're, you're acting like an unbeliever when you talk about the teacher and the way you view your classwork and the people that are in authority there. You, don't even treat, you can disagree with them, but you don't treat him with respect. Why would God send a move of God to Grand Valley University if you hate the place and you resent your work? So we're all wanting to happen here. I'm going to tell you where the move of God's going to happen. The move of God's not going to happen here. It's going to happen when image bearers like you start realizing the anointing on my work is where I'm going to introduce to the culture of Jesus Christ the way God's working through me. That's even why you're changing diapers. Your kids pick up on that vibe. Do I resent this? Wow. So how many know the maker of your work is God himself. I believe the greatest revival is going to happen when you are in that marketplace than it is inside this building. This building is going to be a reflection of what's happening to you out there. 
Now, why would you say that, Pastor Sam? I'm so glad you asked because this was part of my term paper this week. Because there's a ministry, the ministry of my work. What you need to view is that, in fact, your work, I don't care if you did like me when I was in high school and you're cleaning out nasty toilets at a, at a, at a department store after everybody just trashed them on the weekend. I'm telling you that there is a ministry no matter where it takes you, even in the toughest places. How are we doing, everybody? Okay, I, okay here we go. Colossians. Look at what Paul speaks to these new believers, these believers in Colossae. And I know everybody wants to work for a Christian organization. Everybody wants to work with Christians. But let me tell you, there's power in your ministry of work. Colossians 3.23 the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, declares to those believers, he says, whatever you do, so whatever you're doing, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. That word inheritance is the, the Greek word kleronomia. And that Greek word there has an eschatological character to that word. That there is a reward that is awaiting you for the way you treated the work you're doing right now. Right now. So what does that mean? Let me just put it to you just quickly. It means that our human labor becomes a means of anticipating the kingdom of God that's coming and reflecting and expressing the kingdom of God right now. That's what that means. The way you treat your job. Whatever, wherever it places you. So let's go through this for a minute. Let me show you why it's your ministry. It's interesting that the word God spoke to Adam and even Genesis 2.15 where he says, work it and take care of it. How many remember those? Okay. They are the same words used consistently throughout the Old Testament to describe the ministry offered by Israel's priest when they'd minister to the Lord. Same words. Same words. So here's what's happening. Adam's labor in the garden is no different than the ministry of the priest as work unto the Lord. I just want to work for a church. I don't work with all these heathens. No, listen closely. They were revealing the will of God to people who were backslidden. You're revealing the words of God to people who don't know God by the way you work. Are you all seeing this? Man, oh man, I must have really hit a great message. Man, this is really... So work is an act of spiritual service to Jesus Christ himself. And the garden, that's where Adam was working that's where, he was, that's where he was cultivating and reproducing God's glory and extending his kingdom, showing it, letting it flourish. Watch this. That garden was his sanctuary where his ministry took place. So what I'm telling you is when you go on that job tomorrow or you go there tonight or some of you watching online, you're at the workplace right now, can I tell you what's happening? You are working the garden. It is your spiritual ministry that is taking place, so cultivate the garden you're in. Don't gripe at the weeds. Find a way to cultivate the weeds. I hate this place. Find something that brings refreshing to the place. Cultivate the garden. Some of you are going, yeah, but my, my, 
my workplace doesn't feel like much like a garden, Pastor. My, mine feels like, like, like a compost heap is what it feels like. Sometimes our workplace needs to be transformed because of the sin culture that is affecting our workplaces. But sometimes the way Jesus Christ's image bearers, followers, view their work needs to be transformed so it can start becoming a ministry instead of mundane and no productivity. I believe the greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God is going to happen when we start seeing the power of his glory revealed through our work. So you're anointed. Everybody say, I am anointed. Now you're anointed to reveal God's will and his glory at work. That's what you're doing. Okay, I want to take you to a story in the Word of God that I just love this story. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love this story. It's in Exodus 31. It's where God wants to tabernacle. He wants to, he wants to dwell with people. But in the Old Testament, he had to live in a tabernacle, a tent, and later a temple that Solomon built. Y'all know the story, right? So God gives Moses in Exodus 31 all these specific instructions of what to do with the gold, the silver, the bronze, how to make all the furnishings, the exact sizes, what kind of fabric should be used, what the dimensions should be. I mean, it's detailed work. Okay? Now, who's going to do this work? Here's where the story gets exciting for all of us that love the power of our work. Ready? Exodus 31.5. Look what this says. This is good. Watch this. The Lord said to Moses, look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Watch. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman expert in working with gold, silver, bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and carving wood. He is a master at every craft. I want you to look at this. He says, I am filling this man who does construction work with the power of the Spirit of God himself to display the glory to God to carry out the ministry. This is the, now, now, God's Spirit was on people and in people that God used, but this is the first time in the Old Testament where it says that someone was filled with the Spirit of God. The first time in the Old Testament, and guess who God fills, where it's first mentioned that God fills him with the Spirit of God, guess who it's not? It's not apostle, it's not a prophet, it's not an evangelist, it's not a pastor, and it's not a teacher. God goes to a construction site and he finds a guy named Abel Bezalel and he says, I'm filling him with the power and the spirit of God to show my glory and expertise. I'm going to do it on a construction site. I'm going to do it to a blue collar worker if he'll open up his heart and I'll give him wisdom and ability like he's never had before. Are you seeing this? So my point to you is we're going to pray in just a moment. And I'm asking God to fill eternities with something that's better, with a closing argument that AI can produce for you. I'm asking God to fill young people with such expertise that you can actually go into a burger joint and you can work that burger joint and God give you an idea to bring order and even something more productive that you, as a teenager, bring an idea to say, hey, I had this idea, and the Spirit of God give it to you. I'm praying that God would give you such wisdom as you're changing your child's diapers, mom, 
as you sit there and the devil says, Monday, you ought to go fill your goal and fulfill your dreams. And you don't realize this is your goal. You're producing something great. And that God gives you special insight to that child that he didn't give you to another child. He said, I am filling them with the spirit of God. I'm praying that new jobs and new ideas will come out of this place because God died by them and put them on someone who cherished and honored the work of the menial task everybody didn't want to do, but you did it, and you did it with joy to represent Jesus, and God says, that's the person I can try, give with a new business idea and a new invention right there. Because I believe the greatest outpouring of the Spirit is going to happen out there and not in here. You know how I know it? Because that's the way the person I follow did it. Look at Jesus throughout the marketplace. He was always teaching and reaching in the marketplace. He didn't care what it was, a roadside, a hillside, a restaurant, a well, a seashore, buddy, marketplace. And you know when you look at Jesus, it's easy for us to see him as the great teacher. Not just rabbi, but rabboni, teacher of all teachers. I mean, it's easy for us to see him as king of kings and lord of lords because he taught the gospel so well and he revealed something no one else was able to reveal. Okay, well, it's easy for us to see it. But picturing him as a businessman would be difficult for you and me to do today. <laughs> really. Because I'll be honest with you. At first, Jesus Christ, when he walked this earth, was more recognizable as a businessman than he was a rabbi. He was more recognized as a business person than he was a ruler or messiah. They had a difficult time accepting Jesus Christ, the businessman, as a messiah and someone who could have that kind of revelation. How do we know? Because the Bible tells us they had a problem with it. How do we know? Mark 6, 3. <laughs> they scoffed. He is just a son of Mary. Brother James, Joseph, Judas, Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe him. Because they could see him more in the marketplace as a businessman than they could see the ruler or the Messiah. <laughs> he's, he's a carpenter. For crying out loud, he made the door in my house. And that chair that he made... One of the legs is really loose, and so if he can't fix that, how can he fix this world? That's how they saw him. Why? Because Jesus was always working in that. I'm telling you, if it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, there should be an anointing coming out of you for designs and technology and, and for grades and for raising children. It should be coming out of you. With such joy, this is a ministry. And said, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. And there may be things God's putting inside of you. But you got to realize the anointing that's coming out of you now to display his glory to an unbelieving world. I mean, look, look at the miracles that happen in the book of Acts. Do you realize, I think there's like 29 miraculous miracles that happened throughout in the book of Acts alone. Only one happened in a religious venue. The lame men at the gate, beautiful. The rest were happening in people's homes, marketplaces, happening there. 
And I think sometimes everybody puts the demand on the church to make the miracles perform here. It should be happening in our services. No, it should be happening on the assembly line. It should be happening in your classroom. It should be, it should be happening while you're digging that trench. It should be happening while you're paving that driveway. It should be happening there while you're in the boardroom negotiating a business deal. That's where it should be happening. So here's my prayer for my church and for you and for me. That God is going to bring his kingdom intentions in the marketplace because it's going to reflect out of you. And whether you're retired, you are not retired. You still have productivity in you. It may be volunteering and being a classroom buddy at one of our schools. It may, it may be helping and being a hero and start getting that app and be a hero and finding, start working and cultivating what God's given us. God begin to show you a place where you can give your productivity, the skill sets. You may be in a retired accountant, and God may use you to, to go into some area of ministry to help other people with their accounting. It's something to reveal the glory of God. I believe that God's anointing is going to be on us in a way we've never seen. Now, if Jesus Christ, how many believe we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and he makes us new creations in Jesus Christ? Do you know what I believe he can do right now? I can believe he can take some of us that are so tired of what we're doing and he can make your work, the place you're in, a new creation for you. And he can redeem what you think is unredeemable. A boss you can't satisfy, an unproductive worker that you've hired and it's a reflection on you now, that God will give you the wisdom of God. How many believe, friends, he's anointing us to display his glory? It goes beyond the paycheck. It looks toward the payday. And the payday is when you stand before him, he says, you know that gift I gave you? Well done. That's payday. How many are looking forward to payday with the gift God's put inside you?